Feeling a little uncomfortable with that, Josh. Yeah, it's huge. So, thanks for that. Yeah, hey. Great. My child. Great, yeah. You feel uncomfortable, I guess? That's exactly why you're yeah. here. Well, actually, you're, my job is to make you feel comfortable right. on the show. Right. Do you feel comfortable? No, I, I don't. But really? Good. Do you want a glass of water? I mean, you don't think so? Comfortability is like on the inside, right? I guess so, I mean, but the I outside mean, forces can make you uncomfortable and comfortable. Wearing sweatpants, and that's like the most comfortable type of pants you can wear. So it should be comfortable, but not so. Well, I mean, we all do what we can. We're all kind of uncomfortable in our own way. Yeah, that's right? Well, good, good. Well, thank you for joining me here uh, in my wax museum or on my wax museum. Um, how do we know each other, Josh? Uh, well, we know each other. Uh, I think we met at, uh, at a Aldea's function. Aldea's stands for Latter-day Saint. Uh, that's a church. If you look it up, it is, it's kind of a cool organization. Um, but yeah, we met at a YSA event, which is young single adult, mm -hmm. um, and we'll probably be using the term YSA a lot. I'm so glad that you have listened to all of my rants about people not specifying what they mean by things, yeah. because a lot of the time, like I've told you, people don't know what we're referring to right. on but these things. So also being a Yeah, you have, you have to help people understand the context mm -hmm. of the language that you're talking in. Right. So, thanks for doing that. Mm -hmm. Much appreciated. Uh, is there a specific YSA event we met at? Um, the one that I remember meeting you at. Mm -hmm. I was talking to two individuals, and then this, this, this guy that was the same height as the two girls I was talking to slides in, and I was like, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this guy is like trying to move in on one of these girls. So I like purposely started flirting harder. And this, this individual was you, the guy who yeah. moved in. And uh, they were they were just two of your friends that were I was conversating with. And so I just started flirting like mad hard. Yeah. Just, that was like competition because that. It's sort of like a wingman effect yeah. when you flirt with another individual and somebody else comes in, they're, they're automatically, they they're feels like there's competition. Mm -hmm. So the individual who's getting all this praise, A, gets shot in it, and B, kind of like sees that there's competition mm -hmm. without actually realizing it. Yeah. And so it was more of a, a ploy to see how interested you were in these two and uh and you weren't and you you play like the friend card i was like well that failed <laughs> <laughs> i just wanted to have some fun yeah and now they think that i'm possibly interested in them and i wasn't and yeah yeah that's it, so funny if there's one thing i'm bad at yeah. it's flirting mm -hmm. i'm uh i don't think i'm very good at it right. and if i ever do it i'm completely unaware and I probably send a lot of mixed signals right. to people. That, that's fair, yeah. And I think I've seen that firsthand. Um, if anybody doesn't know, me and Alex are roommates. Yep. So we have had a lot of chats about, um, yeah. Life. All the things. Yeah, yeah, literally pretty much everything. Yeah. So, um, so I don't remember that interaction. Right. I remember seeing you at a lot of things from a distance. Mm -hmm. See, you had light up shoes that you'd dance in and yeah. you would do DJing and stuff. And that that's kind of when I, oh, there's a guy. Oh, that guy. You were that guy. Yeah, I, I was that guy. Yeah. Knows me as, like, that guy. You know that guy. Be, like, known as Josh. And everyone would be like, oh, yeah, Josh, that guy. Mm -hmm. right. Now it's just been demoted. Just that, that guy. guy. Yeah. Do you think that's a demotion? Yeah, I think so. I think that's almost a promotion. But I, I used to be Josh. Oh, that guy. Mm. Not like just, you know, that guy. Now it's gotten, your popularity has gotten too far removed from you. Mm -hmm. That right, is, right. instead of 
it's pe people who don't know you who are talking about you. Exactly. Mm. And so now I need, to, I need to get back into that. But now I feel like I'm too old. And that's why you're on my podcast right now, to oh. build up that popularity oh, with, all of, with all of the people. That is, that is wonderful. No, no problem. So, uh, yeah, and then the, f the most recent time where I remember learning your name mm -hmm. was Aaron Mitchell's film a couple years ago. Right. I was a dancer oh. on the yeah. show, yeah. 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 right? And I went up on the stage, and you were kind of the guy doing the checklist, yeah. and that's when I remember being properly kind of introduced right. to you was when I was, I was the dancer. And right. I, they had mentioned you had a drone, mm -hmm. and that you had just bought the drone, and then you started flying it in the gym, just yeah. like really briefly. Yeah, and I was like, this guy is way too into it. Now, that probably was the furthest sign you had actually met. Yes, but I think the time that you walked in on the conversation was the night that Jeff Adams did a BR room. Oh, was, was that the exact same event? I and I don't think was I that actually, those that was the wedding. Right, uh, maybe. Yeah, that was. I didn't think it was the wedding. I thought it was a fireside. No, uh, when I well, you might be thinking of a fireside, but the night that Jeff asked if I'd be a roommate here, was, was at Matt and Nicole Johnson's wedding. Oh yeah, it would have been right because I was taking equipment out to Jeff's car. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember t yeah. talking to Jeff, and then he's like, yeah, we're looking for another roommate. So then I then I moved in. That was a year and a month ago-ish. Right. See, this what happens when you get old. You start to, like, blend It just blurs yeah. all and together. So I just, you know, there's stuck all these interactions go to, to one, like, big event. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I met Jeff. Six months earlier than that, mm -hmm. I met him at another YSA activity, right mini golfing, mm -hmm. chatting with him and Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. So and now, now I'm your roommate, and uh, that's how we really know each other. Right. Yeah. Other, otherwise, you'd probably still be oh that guy. I met him once. I think his name is Josh. Right. And I would have been that guy. Think he was really interested in film making. That's yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, were you born in Calgary? Um, no, um, there has been some speculation as where I was born. Wait, wait. So, I, I only say this because my whole, like, history of, like, my childhood has been different from my mom each time I kind of probe. And so, she says I was born in Atherton, and so that, I'm like, alright, that's cool. Yeah. But then, later on, um... The, the individual who was my father, birth father, yeah. um, he at the time had a, uh, a diagnosis, which was popular at the time, uh, called schizophrenia. Okay. But my mom is now pretty certain it was multiple personality disorder. Okay. And that has been more developed in the later half of the 90s, mm -hmm. early 90s. Whereas schizophrenia was huge late 80s, early 90s. Okay. So that was his diagnosis at the time. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah. And so um, he then, quote unquote, kidnapped me and took me to Kelowna. And then she has also then mentioned that I was born in Kelowna a long time ago. And so I, I think she was just kind of like starting my birth area in Kelowna. And then when she got me back and had full custody of me, mm -hmm. um, that's when uh, my dad went to jail. And so I think that's when she kind of like, in her mind, started my birth. Oh, okay. So that's kind of when she sees your mm -hmm. life as beginning right yeah interesting With, I'm not, so i'm not sure I, i've heard two things i'm pretty sure born in edmonton but um taken from Kelowna. Taken, taken to Kelowna. yeah then uh yeah taken home to edmonton and then raised edmonton yeah yeah so you 
you lived all of your growing up years in Edmonton? Yeah. Do you remember Kelowna at all? Were you old enough to? No, I, I think I was one or two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, it was a long time ago, and I'm getting old, and so I'm starting to lose my memory. It's way back there. I, I, can, I can almost certainly tell you that so is she, mm -hmm. um, and it, it happens without without sweet specific or offense. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. What was it like growing up in Edmonton? I think you're the first person I've had on here who is from Edmonton. Mm -hmm. I can give you a bunch of other firms too if you want to have been the first one on here to be. But yeah, we'll, we'll get. We'll we'll go through those. We'll go through those. Um, so how was it like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it was it was interesting. I uh, my mom was a single mother for a lot of my my growing up. Mm -hmm. um, she had uh, dated a bunch of individuals. Um, clearly, one or two of them stuck. Yeah. And um, and then uh, yeah, so we we grew up in a low income area surrounded by a, like rich neighborhood. Okay. Um, and they they do that a lot in Edmonton and in like general cities. Yeah. Um, they like to surround. At least here in Canada, in the states, maybe not. Um, I've seen a lot more of the ghettos kind of take an entire area. Yeah. Instead of be like a small neighborhood. Um, but yeah, we were a low income, and um, yeah, and so that was interesting. She worked a lot. Um, I have one half brother and one half sister. Okay. That lived with us at the time, um, and they are. I want to say 12 to like 18 years older than me. Oh, really? I, like, I've forgotten dates and how old these people are. Yeah. Um, just because I'm bad with numbers, bad with memory, just bad with everything, really. My vocab, speech, uh, and again, I want to apologize to all you viewers. Um, if you don't understand any of the words I'm saying, good luck. Um, but yeah, um, I have some lists, but I have all that jazz. So um, just bear with me. Um, and uh, like Alex does, all of his um, career. In Car this house. Career, my my lifetime in this yeah. house. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, yeah uh, so it, it was all right. It was fun. I got to do a lot of like shenanigans you wouldn't be able to do in like an actual rich area. Hmm. Um, and so that I grew up and continued to grow up right in that same area. Once my dad had started dating my mom and then they got married when I was eight or nine. I think it was nine and then they got sealed, which is something that we do as LDS members in, uh, in the temple. Um, and um, yeah, and so they got sealed. Um, it's basically when uh, you get married for beyond time and eternity. Um, and uh, yeah, and so that's something that happened then. So I got to attend the sealing as a, a 10 year old, which was intriguing because usually when you attend or you take up those covenants, those promises, um, made from God between you and them. That's what we call covenants. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, yeah, uh, they, they usually, there are certain things that happen in the temple and uh, different, uh, different routes, different, um, uh, certain, just a lot of like things that are in the temple that are kept sacred. Um, that's like, as, a very special way of saying secret, mm -hmm. um, but like a more religious way, um, something that we keep sacred being that um, kind of secret, but very more respectful, yeah. I think. Um, and so, yeah, and so I, I got to see a lot of that as a young kid, and uh, that was super intriguing for me, kind of put a different 
tone on my life yeah. from there on in. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so that was kind of growing up in, in the ghetto. And then uh, once my, my parents got sealed, they, they moved out into their own like house, bought a house even. Um, yeah, we didn't live far. It was literally a stone's throw. Yeah. Um, and it, I could walk a block and a half to get to my old house. Hmm. And so that was, that was pretty cool and very, very interesting. But, yeah. Yeah. So you were adopted then mm-hmm. by your dad? Yep, by my dad first. I don't want to say now, man, dad, my, the one that I follow, the one that I trust. The, yeah. Yeah. The one that I would call dad yeah. yeah and so as as a kid were you aware of any of what was going on or was it just kind of like oh you know just living life you're just a kid um it was a lot of living life and a lot of awareness mm-hmm. um growing up in like the ghetto um it, it, you get like and i don't want to say it but ghetto because mm-hmm. Low income. Uh, it wasn't necessarily ghetto, but yeah, um, you you get some sort of street smarts. Yeah, um, and you get to hang out and you learn uh, not to judge people because you are potentially in that same position. Yeah, um, or if you're not in that position, you could be in a worse one, or you may be in a better one, but they're in that worst position. So mm-hmm. you get to feel something that a lot of other individuals don't. And so I, I learned I learned that at a young age. And uh, that helped with my learning how to be street smart. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, I, yeah, I'd have fun with my street smarts and be able to kind of go through the, and meet all these younger, also, um, low-income individuals that were at school and got to um, hang out with them, kind of learn the ropes of mm-hmm. the streets. And I'm early quoting here, just so everyone's aware. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so did you did you think of yourself as low-income? Um, were you aware? Yes. I, I think I was. Uh, I would hang out with friends who had money. Mm-hmm. And they would always have like these Nintendos and um, new new products coming off the shelf. Mm-hmm. And um, I would have birthdays and birthday parties where um, I I could see my parents would like would be like, no, we can't quite do that. We can do this though. And I was like, okay, um, sure. And kind of like shrug my shoulders when my friends are having lavish birthday parties with lots and lots of gifts and balloons that would last all day. They would go like the go-karts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually um, I got to be really good friends with these individuals and then we'd have joint birthday parties. And so it, it eventually got to the point where I, I felt like I could be just sort of leech off my friends, I guess, <laughs> yeah. in a way. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of how my friendships were, were built. I, I could see that I could, um, I could get the, the cool things and still have friendship. Mm-hmm. And so I would make friends with the, the more, uh, ritzy individuals. Yeah. 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 And had some fun with their toys. Mm-hmm. Nothing's more fun than playing with your friends' toys. Right. Yeah, exactly. Did you, did you feel sad that you didn't have the same prosperity that they did um no because no. i had them you had them yeah and um and so i i, I knew that i was there there was the relationship was kind of one-sided in that way mm-hmm. so whenever they needed me to do anything i was there yeah um and that's kind of how i've lived my life with friendship mm-hmm. i know that i don't necessarily need to be there all the time and uh i'm uh, I'll, I'll definitely ask for things, but I will definitely be there when they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I've, I've kind of lived my life since then. And it's not like the greatest way to build friendship, but I mean, it's, it's the way that I've, I've learned. Right? 
Yeah. Well, I, I know I personally appreciate when you've been there for me and I see how you do that with other people. You're, you never ask for anything, you know, and you just kind of go about living your life and, and you're there for people when they need it. Um, so I think that's good. Did you, is there any, anywhere or anyone specific that you learned that from that, that caring, that friendship, or is it just kind of something you learned this from the streets. This is something that I learned, yeah, from the era called streets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, growing up in Edmonton, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you went to a public school. Mm-hmm. Uh, most private schools aren't a huge, huge thing up here, eh? No, not much. No, it's, uh, it's fairly expensive. And it's super expensive, yeah. So, so, and what was what was that experience like? Did you have any any teachers who impacted you in any? big uh, way or not particularly there was one life science teacher in junior high um he actually made me want to teach a little hmm. um he would he was the first one to call me on my bs and i loved it yeah um, because i wouldn't try i, I was just trying to get by That's, mm-hmm. that was my idea that's how i saw my mom do it that's how i've seen everybody in my life do it so i figured getting by in school is all i need yeah. Um, and he called me out on it. He was like, you're much smarter than that. I'm taking you, you're staying for attention because I know that you're smarter than that. And you can do better on this assignment. Mm-hmm. And I want you to work on that assignment during recess. Um, that same detention I was in, um, he called somebody stupid and that they wouldn't ever amount to anything in life. She blew up and she went right to the principal's office, and he was fired the next week. So, um, yeah, it was just how he treated individuals. Like he didn't, he didn't give them any slack. Yeah. And that that's kind of something that I, I liked as an individual. Yeah. As a person. So that's a pretty big compliment. If mm-hmm. one second he's telling you that you can amount to something great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next second he tells somebody that they're stupid. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then he was gone. Yeah. I, guess, I guess he uh, made the impact he needed. Did you try harder after that? Um, no, no, I really didn't. You, were just, you just thought, <laughs> thanks, dude. Yeah, I was like, thanks, I'm smart. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm definitely, I never really worked at anything mm-hmm. um, too hard in my life. And I never really have. I've always kind of been fairly gifted to be a jack of all trades. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, you have, I was taught, we were talking about it in uh, Lyndon's episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I had Lyndon on here, by the way, this is the Josh that Lyndon and I were shouting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a pyrotechnics license mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, pyrotechnics and fire off, or firework operators. Yeah. So and why why did you get that? Um, I got it because I, I kind of I when I was a kid, uh, my mom would take me to the like the free fireworks mm-hmm. uh, where we could, um, and uh, I was frightened, deathly scared. Like I would go and hide, um, and as I grew older, it was it was the big booms that would mm-hmm. frighten me, um, the fact that it would like shake my insides, um, that that scared me. And so, um, the more I got older, the more, like, I don't want to say the streets, again, quote, air quotes, um, but being low income, it, they, it kind of, like, taught me to, uh, don't be scared of anything, mm-hmm. because everything can be defeated in time, or, um, just by overcoming that fear. Yeah. And, um, so it's, it's one or the other, right? Just got to whittle it down or just overcome it mentally and so um, that was kind of my life um, motto for a lot of things I used to be scared of deep water pools because of sharks so then I went and took swimming lessons Hmm. Um, I I used to be scared of running until I dropped and then dying and having a heart attack so I played soccer um, and so when I, uh, I, I let somebody know, a friend, um, 
I will give her a shout out. It is Courtney Courier. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know her. Yeah, I know Courtney. Yeah, yeah. Courtney. Um, yeah, she she knew that I liked. I I wanted to try do fireworks, and so she got a line off his courts, and she was like, "Yeah, just take it. Spend this money. Just do it. It'll be an investment for your future." And I was like. Nah, I'm fine. I'm not like scared of fireworks anymore, right? Yeah. Um, because I would go out all the time to these things. Mm-hmm. Go boom you got over it. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then, and then I was just like, yeah, all right, fine, why not? So I tried, and it was um two or three courses that I needed to take to um get these lights and believe it was very easy, very very structured, and you walk in, you walk out. You apply the court, spend some more money, and you've got this light. And hmm. You've got like a side job that you can go do. And um, yeah, it was because of her that I got this light. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, in overcoming fears, mm-hmm. why did you want to overcome your fears instead of instead of just kind of, well, I'm scared of that, so I just won't go near it. Right. Um. I don't know. Uh, I think it was kind of like the program that was in my head, you know? Um, you walk towards the thing that you're scared of. You don't walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's kind of like the, the low-income mentality that was kind of driven into me as, as a kid. Yeah. So it comes from the the station you were kind of born into mm-hmm. in life. I, it's I just... think so, yeah. Realizing oh, you got to get over things, you got to move through things, mm-hmm. and and get past it. Yeah, and it's a very like self-driven thing, and that's kind of the way that I was raised. I mean, my mom would be out working um, when I was like five or seven and eight, um, and so I I would just come home and I would do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom wasn't really necessarily there to tell me what to do. My brother and sister were sort of. Yeah, there, but they were still living their like teenage years. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, and even just moving out and doing their own thing at that yeah. point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was kind of like, all right, I'll just do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, that's how I lived. Hmm. Are there are there any fears that you're currently working on that you're currently trying to get uh, through? Not really. Um, I, I think there is one that I will have to overcome when I get there. Yeah. And it's the only real daunting fear that I have left. Um, and it's not even death. Like, I'm not even scared of that. Anymore. Yeah. Because I've been so close to death so many times in my life. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, and it's uh, being a good dad and uh, being a good parent and husband to my future wife. That's like my only real fear now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a dad yet. Um, and I don't have a wife yet. don't even have a girlfriend yet. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, not like a, it's not like a fear that I'm going to have to worry about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be in time. And that's part of the, the you either overcome it mentally or you wait it out. Yeah. And so I'm going to have to wait it out. Yeah. And then find out if I'm going to be a good husband slash father when it comes. Yeah. What do you think makes a good husband slash father? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, my dad has been a great husband and father. And I want to say honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's definitely one thing. I, well, I mean... Christ-like attributes. I don't want to make this like a churchy podcast, but like just um, doing the things that he kind of exuded in the in the scriptures. So um, that being um, just patient, being loving, being caring. Um, I, I think if you can make those work, you can make any relationship work, whether that be husband, father, because you can never care too much, right? Yeah. So, and then, why why does that scare you? Why does why does being a dad and father and a husband? I mean, it really shouldn't. 
but it still is one of those fears. I think because I've seen so many failed um, parenting experiences in low income and growing up, mm-hmm. um, whether it be in the church or outside of the church, um, I don't think parenting is um, a very easy thing by any stretch. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's very hard to um, to do, to be, and to, there is no like manual, so it's not like you can follow step by step parenting. You have to kind of make it up as you go, because each kid is different. Um, I'm different, you're different, Jeff is different. You know, all the people on your podcast, as you've heard, they've all been different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, the, the individual who is currently listening to this, there's only going to be one, I'm sorry Alex, but only one individual listening to this, you're different as well. Um, and I, I don't think uh, being different is a bad thing, but being a parent and trying to understand that difference, that's going to be hard. Hmm. And uh, I, I think that's where some parents either fail or they succeed if they succeed, I think they've been a great parent. And if they fail, they they hopefully tried. Um, and then I would still say they're a decent parent. Um, but it's when they don't try that things go awry and kids end up in rough areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's so true that everybody everybody is different. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, and that your kids are going to be different from you, mm-hmm. and you have to learn to work with that. Did you, did you see your parents at all figure out how, how you were different from them and like come to work with you? Um, they didn't necessarily work with me. They tried to make my, um, my experiences in life great, mm-hmm. um, but they, they never really worked with me on how I was different. They just let me do my own thing. And uh, I think that helped me do a lot of growing up when I was younger. And uh, since then, I just, I don't want to give up growing up. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm still trying to grow up, but still trying to stay a kid. So I I don't think I've done much growing up, per se. Yeah. In my 20s, I I felt like I did a lot in my late teens. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Do you think, um, so, so you say it was helpful for, for them to kind of let you off on your own devices and, mm-hmm. and figure things out. Were there any moments while you were doing that, while you were figuring things out that you thought, boy, I wish my parents would just tell me what to do and kind of just force me into something? Um, a lot of the times, yes, but, um, I, I could see that they were, that they already had their own stuff on their own plate. Like, mm-hmm. um, everybody's got their own struggle. Everyone's got, they pick up baggage, um, and they, people just have to continue living. And I could kind of like see that. Um, maybe not as like a young teen, but I was like an older teen. I could see that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and without, I mean, going into too much information about what that, what that might entail, um, they, uh, yeah, they worked through it. And I mean, they were doing it on their own, so I, I would go through my thing on my own, and they were, they were okay with that, as long as I wasn't going too off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. They were fine with it. Yeah. So we, we've kind of jumped all over with life lessons and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and and you grew up all of your life in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. When and how did you get to Calgary? Um, so I came to Calgary um, to uh, hopefully it was to uh, finalize a relationship. Okay. What it was. Yeah. Um, I was like, hey, if I moved here, I'll be able to be closer. I'll be able to make it work, and then it never worked. Yeah. Um, I, I either changed too much or um, she changed too much. She just didn't want the same things I did. Hmm. 
and uh, I didn't want the thin things sheeted. Yeah. And uh, and so we, you know, these things weren't. You parted ways. Yeah, parted ways, and that was that was it. Yeah, but then you stayed in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had made some friends, um, and moving from one city to another isn't necessarily the easiest thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. So I thought. I'm going to fight this, and I'm going to struggle through this and continue living here. Yeah. And so I did, and I made a lot of friends and then stayed here for a bit. And, and I have moved all over the country for fun. Um, hmm. And uh, since then, I've, I keep coming back here because uh, I've made a lot of friends. I've made a lot of good friends here. Would you consider Calgary home now, then? Um, with how long I've lived here, yeah. Yeah. And so, where where else have you moved to, and um, what was what were the reasons? Um, a lot of it was um, just for fun. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would consider moving someplace six months or more, and so I've I've been all over the place within those six months and more. Um, some of those places being Vancouver, um, Kelowna, um, uh, Toronto. Um, uh, Montreal a little bit. It was more like five months Montreal. Yeah. But it was still it was pretty darn close to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, Edmonton, um, Calgary, um, and then uh, I did my mission in Hawaii. Uh, a mission for the LDS churches. When you save up money, you give that money to the church and they give it to you in allotments for monthly living. And you then go out and do what we call missionary work. And you just go around and um, either helping people or sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's what you do for two years. And it, yeah, it was Hawaii. And I can't complain. I mean, it was paradise on earth. Pretty um, nice. And the, the people there, humble. Um, they, they've got a, a flow and like a a mantra that they believe in, which is just Akuna Matata. Yeah. Um, in so many words, I mean, um, narrowing it down to a T, that's the best I can do it. Um, and it's just no worries, just share share what you got with everybody and uh, be friendly with everybody. Hmm. And um, having kind of learned that in low income kind of helped me out on the mission because by the time I got there I was like yeah this is my place yeah I'm in the zone I love this have you been back there since coming home no no and I, I'm sad about that um, I even promised some people that I'd go back clearly I haven't so yeah um, I, I need to I need to go back if they are listening if they are that one person that one person yeah. I got um, a listener in Hawaii yeah Woo. Um, yeah, and so that would be, that would definitely be a yeah. spot I want to go. And it will probably happen within the next year. Yeah. Uh, I've been slowly budgeting for it. Um, yeah, and it, it's not necessarily a cheap thing to do. No. So. No. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you said you moved out to Vancouver. How old were you when you moved out to Vancouver? Yeah, and was that just uh, let's try it out, yeah. let's go see, have fun? Yeah. How long were you there for? Um, yeah, six, seven months. Yeah, and any any cool experiences there? It was just kind of hanging out. You got a job there, and um, yeah, I worked. I worked for the company that I've been working for for years, and uh, that would be Toys R Us for any any current listeners out there who know what Toys R Us is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is slowly going um, downhill and financially. In Canada um, as well? In, yeah. No, Canada, yeah. I think we're doing all right. Okay. Um, somebody bought us out, so they clearly had enough faith in the company and its structure to um, make that giant purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Canada is saying, but for all the Americans and um, anybody else across the world, um, UK, um, and uh, I think Australia, uh, they all went down. 
Hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, we might also go down that would be a thing of the past by the time anybody listening to this actually hears this. Yeah, in two weeks from now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot can happen in yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Or if you're listening in like a year or five years. Yeah, if people are going through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be a lot to go through. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, so you moved out there still working for Toys R Us. I'm assuming you were working for them in all of those places? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. So you just applied for a transfer? Mm-hmm, yeah. Found a place to crash? Uh, yes and no. Uh, some of it, I, I did the hotel thing. I would save up for a bit mm-hmm. and then just live out of like a motel um, for a few weeks until I found somebody to crash with. Mm. Yeah. And was was your doing that just for kicks? That was just to see the country and have fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad way to do it. No. Yeah. Uh, would, I'm assuming you'd do that again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then more recently after you said you went to Montreal, Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, Edmonton again, and back in Calgary. And then you've been in Calgary... For like permanently for a while now. Yeah, uh, I want to say um, permanently about six years. Um, semi-permanently for like the past ten. Like I said, I would leave for six months and then come back, show mm-hmm. my face again, and disappear again. And people would be like, "Oh, how was your adventure? Like, did you go off? And hmm. How it was?" But yeah, he he'd be very vagrant. Yeah. And uh, that has slowly changed in my, as I'm becoming older. Yeah. And why is that? Why has that changed? Oh, I'm slowing down. I yeah. In body. Um, a lot more things are, are hurting now. Like, you sound like you're 50 yeah. years old, Josh. I am 30. <laughs> I'm 30. But like, I, I can feel my mortality is really, how my brother would put it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I love that phrasing because you do. You start to feel it. Yeah. You start to slow down. You start to, your energy start to slow down. Your body starts to like creak. When you start getting up, you're like, oh, yeah. So now that you're all old, mm-hmm. slowing down, mm-hmm. which is funny because you're the second youngest person in this house. Yeah. I'm me being the youngest. Yeah. But you're making me scared to get to 30 with all this talk of your joints aching. Yeah, Jeff is different from everyone. I guess everyone's different from everyone. That's literally the point of this podcast, basically. Uh, so now, now that you're kind of slowing down, what, what do you do now? What do you do? with your life um now i uh i do whatever you know whatever yeah. i feel like yeah at the time whatever suits me i'll just kind of do it that's what i kind of like about being a contractor you can kind of just do what you want make your own hours mm-hmm. being self-employed you kind of dictate where you want to go you do your own thing yeah. and kind of plan your own schedule and stuff yeah and you can learn skills and pick them up and then go do that thing you want to do yeah have you ever have you ever done like pyrotechnic works mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and what what kind of jobs have you done with that uh i did one or two jobs they were out of town jobs mm-hmm. um last year um and uh they were firework jobs for the city of victoria and then pyrotechnics, I did a sub-job on a, um, on a site for a TV show called uh, Wyona Earth. And they filmed this outside of Calgary. Um, they needed an extra hand or two. Um, and so I said, yeah, I'm available. And That's pretty cool. Yeah. How do you find out about those jobs? you just have contacts who um, do them? The or? company that I am subcontracted. Okay, so they have your number on file as somebody yeah. who can yeah. do the job. We've limited individuals with those certificates. They, uh, they, yeah. 
Hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. And what's, what is it like? What do you do when you, when you set this stuff up? Um, so there's depending on uh, each event, different things, mm-hmm. doing different, yeah, depending on what they need done. Um, there was some things on set um, that I, of course, was not allowed to touch because it's very complicated rig. But it was a, uh, a scene where they um, had a headshot and uh, the, the, the guy who does it normally, he doesn't like doing it at all. Hmm. I wanted to name the company because I don't want him meeting a whole bunch of people for these headshots because he really doesn't like doing it. Mm-hmm. But there is a scene in Why on Earth, end of season one, that um, you can you can go see the, the headshot, and it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty good, um, and uh, there's a lot a lot of moving parts in it, and a lot of things that can go wrong for the actor. Hmm. That's why he doesn't like doing it. And so he wants to make sure that everything's safe and done correctly. And if it's done wrong, he wants to make sure that he did it wrong, not everybody else, because one person to blame is better than a bunch of people to blame. And, um, usually when pyrotechnics go wrong, there's usually death involved. Yeah. And so, um, e- very easily. There are videos on YouTube of a club burning down because somebody didn't do the pyrotechnics correctly. Yeah. And lit a curtain on fire, um, doors shut, things just didn't work out. People couldn't get out quick enough, and people died. Yeah. This was not long ago. I think it was um, 10 years, maybe even 15 years ago. Um, and there are videos on YouTube you can watch. Um, of, there's one particular club, and uh, a metal band was playing stage burned down, the band died, I think um, 10 other individuals died, Little. multiple individuals were injured from the club, like, collapsing, burning down on top of them, yeah. um, lung, like, permanent lung damage, um, from smoke inhalation, it was, it, it was rough. So, I'm assuming the course you did mm-hmm. was largely safety mm-hmm. related, okay. and how do you take on take on that responsibility and understand the importance of what you're doing in situations in any situation not even just pyrotechnics how do you personally take responsibility for your actions and for the understanding of the seriousness of each situation um uh, me personally um, i do things differently than what i am on the job Mm-hmm. Um, I usually treat everything very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. So when it gets to something serious, you can you can see my tone will change completely. And um, so I go from yeah some jovial, um, make fun of everything kind of guy to a, a very serious tone individual. And um, yeah, and so that's I think how I would deal with that personally. But yeah. Um, when I'm at work, I'm, I'm usually fairly serious um, until I'm, I'm not, and then I know that the situation is no longer um, in, in danger. I guess. Yeah, yeah, you know when when you need to be serious and stuff. Is that mm-hmm. is it scary to think that things can go that wrong? Um, yeah and no. Yeah. Um, it can only go that wrong when you're not paying attention and you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just going to make sure and double check and triple check that you're doing it right. Um, there was a story that I learned in the Carson from a, a guy. He blew off his whole arm. He should have been dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he shares it all the time. Um, I can't remember his name offhand and he would love to tell you that story but Carson is in a big town yeah so I'm pretty sure I've heard of him yeah. from from other people from Carson yeah yeah, um, yeah. and he uh, yeah he like I said he should have been dead and there are a bunch of things that that followed that were uh, unexplainable and you can talk to him about that because he is an amazing um, 
experience tolerant. I mean, it was his experience. So yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, so things do go wrong when even you think that they they are going right. Yeah. And so that even that can be a little off the daunting, but um, usually if those things go wrong, it's on your own end. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm okay if my body gets blown up. It's other people's bodies that I don't want. Yeah, you need to be aware and concerned about that. Yeah, and so I think that also plays into my my whole like idea and lifestyle that I've built up to now. Mm-hmm. Look after everybody but for yourself. And do you, do you ever neglect yourself because of that? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. And do you think that's okay? No, nah, I don't. Or you kind of so. yeah. I think it's like one of those greater good scenarios. Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting perspective to to take on it. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like that. They they tone me off because of it. Uh, I do shrug my shoulders and keep pounding away. Yeah. So what do you what do you think of the philosophy of you know take care of yourself and then other people? Where, where, you know, people probably tell you sometimes, oh, you need to be more selfish, Josh. Um, I actually don't think I've ever heard somebody say you need to be more selfish. But well, I'm telling you now, uh, you uh, need to be more selfish, Josh. Uh, um, uh, then I would personally say to you, um, I, I'm okay with not being selfish. Yeah. And uh, I just leave it at that. Um, I, I don't want to tell them that them being selfish and them looking after them is wrong because mm-hmm. it's, their, it's their choice, right? That's, I think, what we're, we're here for is to make our own choices and to move forward and either um, live and enjoy our life or suffer. And I mean, both of those are a choice as well. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just take my joy and I, I'm okay with that. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. I, uh, I mean, I've lived with you for a year and I didn't know pretty much anything about your life uh, because you do take that very uh, other people first kind of, kind of uh, station with, with anyone you meet, which I, th- I think is good, but I would say <laughs> be a little more selfish sometimes. But I think it's awesome that you're taking care of other people and looking out for other people and... I personally have felt that as your roommate, and I've enjoyed it. And so with me moving out tomorrow, Josh, it's been great. Thanks for coming on My Wax Museum. Thanks for the chat.